Good morning. We just heard from Rebecca what I think is a fairly straightforward parable, right? Fortunately, Jesus explains this parable for us so we don't have to guess about what it means or worse yet, argue about it, right? But there is that little bit in the middle of something about a secret. What's Jesus talking about a secret for? Maybe that part isn't so straightforward. Remember, after Jesus' resurrection, he commissioned his disciples to go to all nations and teach them, teach people everything, right? And in the book of Acts, Jesus tells his disciples that they would be his witnesses to the ends of the earth. And in the Gospel of John, Jesus sends his disciples to the world. So why here does Jesus talk about a secret? Rest assured, Jesus is not establishing some sort of secret society with a secret handshake and, and certainly not a secret vocabulary. That's not what he's doing. He's not asking his disciples to protect the secret. What I think he's doing is preparing his disciples for a time when they would become his secret tellers, his, his witnesses. Let's face it, the secret, if you will, is already out of the bag. Think about it. When Jesus was born, an army of angels sang to some shepherds about the secret, and those shepherds went right away to the manger and saw the secret. And when Jesus was just an infant presented in the temple, a prophetess named Anna saw Jesus and began to tell everyone, this is the redemption of Israel. And then in Mark's gospel himself, or Jesus himself, in the beginning of Mark's gospel, talks about the secret in his own words. He says, the time has come. The kingdom of God is at hand. So, my friends, that's the content of the secret that Jesus is talking about. If you've been waiting for God's promised redemption, the time had come. The wait was over. And Jesus isn't obsessed with protecting that message as some sort of secret. You see, this parable is a part of Jesus' bigger plan to prepare his disciples. He's teaching his disciples, like any rabbi would, about what it would be like to be his secret tellers. And since we understand that we, too, are in part his disciples, we can take a fresh look at this parable then, see how Jesus is preparing us to be his witnesses. The first thing that I think we notice is that there's an abundant supply of the seed no one's worried about running out of the seed. And since Jesus tells us that the seed is his word, we go, Phew. there's lots of his word. There's plenty of it to go around. We have everything we need to be his disciples, to be his secret tellers. But the second thing we notice is that this parable is ultimately a parable about death and about life. As Jesus prepares us to be his witnesses, he directs our attention to the fate of those seeds which have been sown, some of them die. And it just gets deadly serious for us at that moment. And if we're honest with ourselves as we read through the parable, we've sometimes found ourselves trying to live on the path and trying to live among the rocks and among the thorns. We've sometimes let the devil's temptations convince us that God didn't really say this, not for us. We know what happened to Adam and Eve when they listened to those lies, but we think we'll be okay. Or sometimes we do. We cave in to those external pressures of our culture. We don't live our faith and speak our faith as confidently and as boldly as we could. Oh, we don't give up our faith in Christ, but we cave in to some of the other issues, some of those other outside pressures. 
Or sometimes we don't cave in to outside pressures, but we succumb to our own desires. We begin to pursue worldly, worldly glory and worldly things and status and the shiny things of the world. We know that no good, no good fruit can come when we live our lives among the paths and the thorns and the rocks, but somehow we find ourselves doing it anyway. And we know that just as death entered into the lives of Adam and Eve when they succumbed to all that, so too does death enter into our lives. And the death that awaits us is no simple thing. It's an unbearable death, a death that ultimately should culminate in complete isolation and separation from the God who made us and the God who loves us. But this parable isn't just a parable about death. It's also, fortunately, a parable about life. And it's a parable about life abundant. As Jesus prepares us, his disciples, he finally directs our attention to the fate of the seeds which fell on good soil. And this is a life of abundant fruit rooted in good soil. This is the kind of life that Jesus ultimately came to deliver. This is the content of the secret, if you will. It's the end point of the parable. This is what Jesus wants us, his disciples, to understand, I think. Of course, at the time, Jesus' disciples didn't know how all this story would play out, but they did see it eventually play out, and so do we in the Word of God. We know that Jesus prepared this abundant life by taking on and conquering that death on our behalf. We know that the death he encountered on the cross was an ugly and horrific death, and one which ultimately culminated in his words, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But we also know that our Redeemer lives. He conquered death. The horrible, unbearable death that awaited us is no longer part of our experience. It will not be part of our life. By faith, on account of Christ, we are rooted in good soil now. And by the power of his spirit, which comes to us in his word, our lives as his disciples are set apart. We've been transplanted, if you will, into the good soil so that we can bear good fruit and bear it in abundance. Praise be to God that we have this abundant life, right? But we've also been prepared to tell this secret, if you will. It's actually not supposed to be a secret. God desires that all of his children in all places would come to know this message. And he does send us, his disciples, into all the places that we go to be his witnesses into all corners of the world. And when we do that... When we step out into our world telling the message, telling the secret, we're going to find ourselves again walking among the paths and among the rocks and among the thorns. That's where we'll find ourselves. And we're going to have to walk with wisdom in those kinds of places. We're going to need to stay steadfast in the true faith. We are going to need to anchor ourselves, nothing else than in the word of God, right? And of course, we turn to his word then and we pray continually. And as we do that, God will protect us. He will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. And then the fruit that will produce, nothing more than the words and the the deeds which become a blessing to the people, to God's lost people who find themselves wandering among the paths and among the rocks and among the thorns. 
Remember, as we do that, God does not desire death for any of his children. He desires life and life abundant, and he provides a way there. He desires to transplant all of us and all of our neighbors to this good soil, to the soil of life, to the soil of abundant fruit. So may we live that abundant life, and may we bear that abundant fruit for the sake of our neighbor every day. Amen.